0: Hello, my name is Fabi. Thank you so much for being here. This is Connection First, and I am super excited. Every week I start my podcast saying that because it's true. I really enjoy this space and recording for you. And I have been doing last week and this week and a special edition, or what I decided to call a special edition, simply because it's the first time that I'm doing a book review. I'm doing a review on The Whole Brain Child, a book by Daniel Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson, a book that I I was lucky enough to read a few years ago, but I reread last year and I feel it's a book that we parents, we all should have because it's one of those that you can revisit every time you need it or every time you want to remember a few of the strategies. The book has 12 strategies to nurture our child's developing mind. It is simply full of practical examples and ideas on how we can use everyday situations with our kids in order to help them create the connections and integrations of the different parts of the developing brains. So it sounds amazing and it truly is amazing. I did the first six strategies last week And I'm going to say the same that I said last week, this book was written by them. I'm simply just doing my perspective of the book and the way I try to put it into practice with my two boys. Let's get into it straight away because we have a lot to cover and in six strategies we are up to number seven this week. If you haven't yet go to a previous episode and you can catch up with the first six. If not you can listen at these ones because there is not major connection between them all so you can listen at this first and then the other ones. It's 12 strategies in total so we're going to cover six today and six are on the other episode. Strategy number seven is about exercising an important part of the brain, which is the memory. I think memory is like one or probably the most important part of their brains. And this strategy pretty much explains the importance of using everyday moments to simply bring up things that happen during the day. And it's called Remember to Remember, making recollection a part of your family's daily life. To talk about this one, I'm going to give you an example of a game that we love playing at dinner time and it's a game of two truth and one lie. I don't actually know if that game has a name in English, but we just call it like that because we we play in Spanish because that's the language that we speak at home with our kids. So it's uh, two truths and one lie would be a translation. And basically, it's simply a way of bringing up stuff that happened during their day in a funny and practical way that is natural or feels natural for everyone and is not asking the straight question of like, oh, tell me about your day. And the answer that you get a lot of the times when you ask that very broad question is like, oh, it was fine. Or, uh, my, my son sometimes makes that sound. It's like, "Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> it's like, what? So, this game really opens the conversation and is remembered to remember. So, they they go back, they tell, they, they create the stories of what happened, and then you have to uh, discover which one was true, which one was a lie. But the, the thing is that it continues, right? Because after that, they will go and they will tell you what happened at recess, what happened at lunch, and um, it works. Most days they are up for it, especially my older one is very up for it, and I do it, my husband does it. Like, we all play around it, and it's just an example. But it's pretty much much remember to remember like practicing that uh, my son love making the stories like step by step so I will go like oh so what happened after I left you this morning after your tennis lessons I saw that you were walking to leave your backpack in front of your classroom and then he will continue yes I left it there then I walked to the bathroom and then I found my friend Jack and then this and that and it's uh, simply practicing putting the memory into practice or exercising the memory So strategy number eight, let the clouds of emotions roll by, teaching that feelings come and go. And this is really powerful because we already know the importance of being there for your kids when they come with big emotions and feelings and all that frustration or anger or sadness are very hard as parents. But we have learned that it's important to be in the feeling or in the emotion with them. And we listen to what they are feeling, we try not to change that because we try to to normalize the good and the bad emotions because they are all part of life. But what this strategy is about is that after you listen to what they are going through, you can also take that as an opportunity to remind them that emotions come and go. So you can say something like, Oh, I mean, I know that you feel really frustrated and this must be very hard for you, but you remember how you were feeling this morning because this emotion is also going to pass. You are not going to feel like this tomorrow, probably. So let's sit with the emotions for a second with them and then remind them that emotions come and go. And I used it the other day actually because Ben was very frustrated because Matthias broke a Lego piece that he was putting together and it's from a collection that he's doing from the supermarket here. And he was super frustrated with his brother. And he came to me and I listened and everything. And then I said, well, you know what? Just this morning, you guys were playing really nicely. And Matthias was actually helping you to put it together. And now you feel very upset with him. But this morning he actually... So you are trying to bring up something positive in a way of reminding them that, okay, this emotion is going to pass as well. And emotions come and go. Then we can move to a strategy number nine, which is pretty similar because this is paying attention to what's going on inside. This is a way of expressing or telling our kids that the images that we have in our brain, we have the power to change them. And an example of this is, and I, and I love this example in the, in the book that I actually used it with my son in a moment that he was going through like nightmares, or oh, no nightmares, he says he's having bad thoughts be, at the end of the day, that he's getting scared of things. So he, I don't remember the character that he was being afraid of at night, and the way they put it in the book, and I actually did it pretty similarly, was that Um, you go to the room and you listen to the fears that they are having and everything and and then you say like, okay, so you are imagining that guy coming from your closet now imagine that that guy is actually wearing a tutu (laughs) and that is coming in the tippy toes dancing and doing a funny move straight away they change that image and that character is not that scary anymore and that's just a simple example but like that we can use with major things the options like you can change that image in your brain and As adults, you might think about it and say, oh, my God, that's super hard. I mean, how you can't control what it is. But actually, for kids, it's not that hard. And it's a tool that if they learn young enough, they can carry on with it. And it can be very useful when they are older as well. And related to this one and to the previous one where we are trying to give the kids or remind the kids the power that they have to control those images or pictures in the brain and the emotions, it's a strategy number 10 called exercise mindsight, getting back to the hub. Mindsight is a concept that pretty much relates to this one and the previous strategies in the sense that it's reminding them that they have the power to see or to understand what is happening in their minds is what we mentioned before about the, that emotions go and go and the pictures in the brain. So it's pretty much understanding that you have the power to see what is happening in your brain and to understand what is happening in the brain, the emotions or the pictures or the images that are coming to your brain. So with this strategy, we can help kids to understand that they don't have to be the victim of those thoughts or emotions and that they can take control of it. And they can decide where to focus. So the way I use it with Matthias, for example, he especially some plans that they are not his favorites for example we the other day that we go were going to a friend's birthday and none of his friends were going and it was a boring plan for him sometimes he, once he's in the place he enjoys and he's all there and you see him having fun and everything and he doesn't complain anymore once he's there and he's enjoying but beforehand sometimes he can get a bit intense in the sense of like I don't want to go and refusing, refusing and refusing uh, and a bit of a bad attitude towards that plan so the way I try to do it and I did it that time that we had that lunch at my friend's birthday and he didn't want to go was like okay you have the option you have two options here you can decide and to focus in what you are not having that you don't have any friends coming and that it looks like a boring plan or you can make the decision to focus on the positive things the good things that you can focus in that it's a really nice restaurant you're gonna have a really nice meal that you can take a cool book that you can sit next to your brother and that we are going as a family and that little reminder it's it helps because they they can they can use that tool and it reminds that they, they, the power is on them. Like they can make the decision. They can decide to focus in what they need or what they are missing or they can focus on what they actually have or they can focus on the positive or in the negative and and in those little moments you can you can put it into practice as a reminder for them. Another way is to bring up good memories in bad moments. And that way you are same, similar thing, reminding them that they can use the memory as a tool and to put the focus in something different. So they give the example in the book of a, a child, a toddler that is going to an appointment to get the needle, to get vaccinations, vaccines, and that um, his their dad is telling a, a good story, a positive thing that happened in the morning. He's not distracting him and not avoiding the situation. He's just simply playing a bit with the memories in the sense of giving the control of like okay let's think about something else to bring up good emotions in this moment and it's a little reminder of like you have the power to bring those emotions back in a moment that you need them. This is, of course, a lot more deeper in the book. Uh, the concepts that they use in the book are really interesting and the way they explain the part of that they not being the victim of the emotions or the thoughts is really interesting. And I highly recommend you go and read it if you want to. But for now, this is just a practical way to understand of the way I see it. Let's talk now about strategy number 11. And we are nearly finishing with this 12 strategies. So 11 is pretty much a really, really nice one because it's increased the family fun factory, making a point to enjoy each other. With this one, what we want is not only to offer positive experiences in terms of family and relationships to our kids because that nurtures the brains, but also that experiences that they will carry on in the future and that are affirming and rewarding and fulfilling for them. So... I guess we all have our moments of being silly, of having fun. Those moments when you put everything on side and you really enjoy your time as a family. And I feel those moments are we need them because as much as we want to, you know, uh, teach them things and give them lessons and be responsible and everything, we also want to have the quality time. And I think that's one of the top priorities for us is to enjoy the amazing and unique time that we get to spend with each other. So uh, way, I mean, I guess every family find their ways to do it and. To to be silly and to find ways to have fun together but let me share the one that works really well for me especially because it's one that I use at the end of the day when I am super tired because I'm usually a lot better in the mornings but by the end of the day my energy goes low 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 and This one helps me because it gives me a lot of joy and I feel I managed with this one to change a moment that could be dragging and could be annoying for everyone of like telling kids to go upstairs and please listen and go, let's get ready to sleep and everything. And with this one, I managed to make it fun and we all enjoy it. It's pretty much a casual hide and seek game where whenever they can't listen or they are playing something because they love finding that very amazing game or project they want to do or whatever just at that time. Right, just after dinner. So it, it becomes very hard to make their way upstairs to brush their teeth or have a shower and get ready to sleep. So I just go to the stairs and I say, Whoever finds me first wins and I run like quickly, like super crazy upstairs and I hide myself somewhere easy. Of course, like the first spot that I find and whoever finds me first, I do a lot of tickling and then it's like, okay, let's have a shower. Let's do this and that. And we all had fun. And sometimes we play another round of hide and seek with the person who found me or whatever, but it's just a simply an easy way that we add some fun in a moment that we needed a lot. And of course we can do this with so many things, um, and another example that they give in the book is when uh, the boy or girl is asking for that and the mom is the only one there and helping them with something and they ask for uh, the dad, then the mom's uh, change the voice is like, oh, you were asking for me. Like, and, and that way it's adding something silly in a situation that then, can, you know, to avoid the big emotions and the, you know, frustration and everything, you can simply add something silly and make it fun. And the same with this one that I was describing of the hide and seek, instead of getting frustrated because they are not listening to go upstairs in a moment that they are probably tired. I am tired and everything. I just add something fun and different to the situation and transform the situation in an opportunity to have fun as well as getting them to listen. So it's a win-win <laughs> Let's go to the final one, number 12, connection through conflict. Teach kids to argue with a we in mind. This one is about whenever there is an argument, telling kids or reminding kids that there is another side of the story. We are not going to take sides here. We're not going to blame them for something that we don't really know. We are just going to add context. And with this, we are going to remind them that, okay, this is not a conflict that you are having this is a conflict that you guys are having. You and your friend are having. So by simply asking questions to put the situation in context. For example, they like come, it's like, how dare he calling me idiot, or she calling me idiot, or whatever they the names they are calling each other when they get very upset. And okay, you listen, of course, you listen to the feelings and everything, you are there for them, and then you start getting context. And I was like, what was happening before? For her or him to say that to you. Why would he say that to you? And you're not taking parts. You're just giving concept and reminding them that every time there is conflict, there are two sides of the story. It's simply to help them see through the other person's eyes, helping kids to recognize other points of view. That is the first part of this strategy. And the second one is to listen to what's not being said. Teach kids about non communication and attuning to others. So it's what we call and we say to our kids of like reading the moment, right? And it's... Pretty much understanding, like if someone is getting upset with you, right, before that person is going to call you names or whatever, you can get to understand and recognize what that person is feeling. And helping kids to deal with those things is going to help them enormously with relationships, of course. And the final part with this one is the repair. So you recognize there is another side, you try to understand what wasn't said, but what the other person might have been feeling, and then you repair. So you teach kids to make things right after a conflict. These are three steps that they cover on this strategy, but it's all about understanding that when it's a conflict, it's a we. It's not your conflict, your feelings, is also the other person's points of view. And with this one, we're going to finish for now this was my review of the whole brain trial in two episodes and as i always say we are doing the best we can with the tools and the information that we have and i really hope that the tools that i share with you in this and in the last episode from this amazing book were helpful see you next week thank you so much for listening and for being here